It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Turn up your volume. Up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la bourrée, c'est le Et ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le match troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Monday, February 19. How is everyone doing this evening? Thank you for watching on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Twitter Live. Subscribe. It's absolutely free. Tell your friends about it. Share it. Comment sick, S-I-C-K. Thank you for watching. Tonight's collaborator will be Eric Engels of Sportsnet at Sportsnet.ca. We'll get to Eric in a couple of minutes. Not before I talk to you about our proud sponsor and partner, Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different also brought to you in part by la bit at tb brewed in quebec a winner of a dozen international awards la bit at tb offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste la bit at tb embrace your true nature also brought to you in part by playground discover a world of luxury at playground explore their new thirty thousand square foot expansion with thrilling games gourmet dining and live entertainment located just over the mercy bridge only minutes from downtown montreal playground Playground experience the strip without the trip. I was there a couple of nights ago on Saturday night, as was Sammy and as was Agnello and so many others uh, for a charity Texas Hold'em tournament with all proceeds going to cure SMA, spinal muscular atrophy. It was a great turnout. It was a great time. It was a great tournament. Everyone had a lot of fun. And I got home at around 2.30 in the morning. That doesn't happen very often. All right, okay. So about 13 nights ago, uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, were in uh, were in Washington. Oh, not before I talk to you about 
Uh, another partner and sponsor, of course, last but not least, Accent Insurance Solutions. Accent doesn't sell insurance. They shop insurance for you to find the right product, right on the money, whatever your insurance needs, home, automobile, or business. And every time I see Accent's phone number, I think of my buddy Sergio Momesso. Give the Accent call. Uh, give the Accent team a call today at 514-363-3636. Okay, so about 13 nights ago, the Montreal Canadiens were in Washington, got out to a quick 3-0 lead, ended up beating the Washington Capitals by a score of 5-2. to uh, 11 nights after that, the Capitals were in Montreal, and they returned the favor because the Capitals beat the Montreal Canadiens by a score of 4-3 to on Saturday night. Without further ado, from Sportsnet, Eric Engels, what's going on? How you doing? I'm, I'm, man, you're uh, very fresh for somebody who went to bed at 2.30 in the morning just a couple nights ago. Well, it was it was Saturday, late night Saturday, early Saturday morning. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. Yesterday, I spent the whole day at home with my PJs on, and my buddies and I who got home at the same time were all texting each other yesterday saying, are you still in your PJs? Yes, yes, yes. Do you feel like you got hit by a truck? Yes, 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 yes. Are we all getting old? Yes, yes, yes. That was our chat yesterday on text message. Mm. Anyway, I'm getting old, but you definitely are not. Uh, speaking of which, by the way, I was um, I was um, uh, I was at a poker table on Saturday night for the tournament with a gentleman uh, who says uh, that uh, he knows uh, your you know the love of your life. Says they work together. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He had a lot of very good things to say about her, and I looked over at him and I said. Eric did very well for himself, eh? And he said, oh, yeah, Eric did very well for himself. So, Eric, everyone knows you're doing really good in life. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I'll let Emily know. She's a huge fan of yours, and uh, she's warming up to me. Uh, Okay, very, very good. Uh, Okay. Um, Let's start with an article that you wrote, Sportsnet, sportsnet sportsnet.ca. Let's bring up the article. How Doc Canadians are keeping injury from becoming wasted development opportunity. When he went down with the injury in the fourth period of the season, and it was you that told us the injury that he had before it was made official and that he was going to be out for the rest of the season before it was made official. And we know that he was hurt last year as well. The second we found out he was out for the season, everyone put their hands on their heads. And I I would imagine, especially Kent Hughes and, Jeff Gordon, Marty St. Louis, and said, we really don't need this right now. A young player who's going to be a very key player for this team and for many, many years to come. A huge development opportunity for him. And what do we do now? Well, it looks like they figured out something to do, Eric. Talk to us about it. Yeah, before we get into it, like you can't downplay how shitty that was. Like, he and and particularly because he looked so good in training camp and looked so good for portions of last year and you could just tell that this guy was ready to round the corner like all the promise he had as the third overall pick in 2019 you could feel like this was going to be a giant leap forward for him and whether you felt it or i felt it or ken hughes or marty saint louis felt it and they clearly did kirby felt it and that that you know is probably at the center of why it's such a huge disappointment and then you get to all the other ripple effects. You know, he's had other injuries. He missed 24 games last year, the wrist injury, and, and lost some time with Chicago uh, after the World Juniors, not, not long after getting drafted. And, and to this for this to happen so innocuously four periods into the season, 
knowing how competitive the Canadians were moving forward for the next two months, like you just can't downplay that this was a lost season somewhat in development for Kirby. It was a lost season somewhat in development for the Canadians because of what he could have done to make the atmosphere that much better and and the results that much better and, and therefore the environment that much better for players to grow in. Um, there's no downplaying that. But the Canadians, and the credit goes really, first it goes to Kirby Doc, and second it goes to Marty St. Louis. Them finding a way to make this the best it possibly can be without him getting on the ice and playing, that's huge. And and we'll get into what specifically went into that. I know that's what you're asking me, Tony, but this is a rebuild. And the biggest wins in a rebuild have to come off the ice. You're not going to see them on the ice. And you better have them. If you're going to advance and advance faster than anybody at least hopes you will, you have Mm -hmm. to stack wins up off the ice. And Ken Hughes has done that in the front front office. Jeff Gordon has done it in the people that he's hired, like Marty St. Louis and like uh, and, and Ken Hughes obviously had a hand in that and Adam Nicholas and so on. But man, like development and where it has gone to in a very short period of time and how the Canadians have kind of gone from way behind everybody to way at the forefront this is the biggest win of the rebuild so far. And I think looking at the reaction from fans to the article I wrote about Kirby yesterday and thanks to the Canadians for making him available and thanks to Marty St. Louis for divulging that he's been inviting Kirby Doc to scouting uh, pre-scout meetings on the opposition with his coaching staff, which happened typically around 7.30 in the morning or whatever it is. It just was such a small but relevant window into the way Marty St. Louis is progressive and the way his players are committed and buying into development. And uh, that should be something that Canadians fans, and clearly it is something that they're yeah. really wrapping their, their hands around and saying, this is, I can tolerate the losing on the ice and because I know this is what's happening. I said this before in different situations, and I'm going to say it again, because here's a prime example. Once again, Marty St. Louis has a tremendous characteristic. Um, it's, um, It's his humility. When he told us early on when he was behind the bench, it was going fast out there, you know, and... Sometimes it was going a little bit too fast for him early on. When um, when he told us, and he tells us, I don't know. I have to go back. I have to look at it. I don't know. Um, when he tells us that he's learning all the time, when he tells us that he learns stuff from his players too, when he tells us that he learns stuff from his, you know, you know, his his his, his assistants. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Not, it, it might seem like a little thing, but not everyone in the National Hockey League or not anyone in any other field or not anyone, not everyone in life does stuff like this that they admit that they learned from others, that they admit that maybe it was going a little bit fast, that they admit that maybe they got to take a step back, that they get to, to bring a player into your world. I'm sure there's a lot of old school coaches that would say, Hey, you know, I'm a coach. I've done this for a long time. He's a player. He's going to hang out with the players. I hang out with the coaches or, you know what, he won't understand what I'm saying because it'll probably be, you know, too, too fast for him or above him or whatever. I think this is amazing. The openness to say, you know what? I'll take a player. We got nothing to hide here. We're 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 all learning and we're studying and we're growing together. I'll take a player. I'll bring him into my meetings. I'll show him exactly what we do to prepare so like that we can help exercise his brain since he's not moving on the ice and we can, you know, um this can serve him well going forward. But then to say he's open to participate in the talks and not just not just sit there and listen, but talk too. It's pretty big, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, and you are hitting the nail on the head in terms of Marty being relatable. He's relatable in one aspect in terms of his playing career, being in all the different chairs the players occupy throughout that career from uh, unsigned, healthy scratch, AHLer, fourth liner, third liner, second liner, first liner, Hall of Famer. He can relate to everybody in the room, and he's relatable in his humility, as you put it so well, actually. I saw something recently. I can't remember what it was, something that popped up on my social media feed but really spoke to me. The difference between so-called experts and actual experts is actual experts are willing to admit they might be wrong and that they don't have every answer. And so-called experts make you feel like they know absolutely everything and they can't possibly be wrong about anything. If you're going to be relatable to other human beings, you have to show your humanity. You have to show your humility. And Marty does an exceptional job of that. And I don't think it's something he's focused on doing. I think it's just who he is. And that makes him an expert in terms of relating to, to people. Uh, His expertise in the hockey department makes him an expert. And the fact that he wants input from other people, whether they're above him or below him in the hierarchy, makes him a growing expert, somebody who will continuously add to their expertise. I think there's Marty's side of it. I have to focus on the players too, right? It wasn't that long ago Mark Bergevin was sitting in front of everybody after Kotkaniemi was out the door to Carolina talking about how at the end of the day, you can create the environment or do anything you can to help a player's development, and we can certainly do more, and we drop the ball in certain areas. But it is up to the player. And that is true. A player's development, their successes, their failures, mostly belong to the player. They have to take the primary role And they have to take all the steps for it to work. But 
when you create an environment where they have access to the resources that they have, think of Slavkovsky with Dr. Schott over the last couple of weeks, think about Kirby Doc in these meetings. When you have a coach who empowers his players to, to lean into that process, you get the type of results the Canadians are getting. And I, I think there are so many examples now. There's Caulfield who's sacrificing goals to work on his complete game. And if you can't recognize how far he's come in that, there are so many examples on video that if you were sitting in one of those sessions with Marty St. Louis, he'd point them out to you pretty quickly. But next time you watch a Canadians game, watch watch Cole Caulfield away from the puck. He, he, it's light years from where he was two years ago. Uh, Slavkovsky. Can I, would you mind if I stop you right there just so I can yeah, get to something sure. regarding Caulfield as play away from the puck? This is Saturday night after the game. Um, Marty St. Louis asked about Cole Caulfield's two-way game. There was an example that was given by Arpin Basu of The Athletic who asked the question. First period, I think Caulfield and, and Slav had that two-on-one, but Caulfield comes back and takes the puck off of Bechkin in the defensive zone to create it. You know, two things kind of jumped out to me. A, he wasn't making that play maybe two years ago, but B, he was probably shooting that puck on the two-on-one as well. Like, where's... Can you speak to his yeah. evolution, I guess, somehow yeah. kind of encapsulated? Yeah, I mean, I, Cole is still young. I think he's he's evolving. He's playing the game, um, you know, and, you know, coming back and stealing a puck, it's it's a, it's a big play. It's, you know, it creates, a, it creates the next thing. Um, and, you know, he, he gets in his two-on-one. He, he makes a read, you know, but, uh, you know, for any, any good goal scorers, you know, you got to have a passing game. I think you're you're harder to to predict, uh, and Cole has has improved tremendously his playmaking abilities, uh, and I think that's uh, he's harder to contain if he's not just a goal scorer, but just you know an all around player. And, and those plays like between the dots coming in, um, it's harder for the opponents when he's not so predictable. It's funny because. Uh, former NHLer Philip Boucher, who's a regular collaborator on the podcast as well. Um, when Marty St. Louis said, when he was asked about Cole Caulfield not scoring at one point, he said, well, Cole and I are spending a lot of time when we're working on his his game and his game away from the puck and making him a better two-way player. Uh, Philip said he's saying that because he's protecting his player, his player is not scoring. Not to say that he was dismissing it, that he wasn't working on his game. Um, but we are really seeing examples of Cole becoming a better 200-foot player because, you know, all those things you've, you heard about other players in the past and, you know, Hitchcock wanted to make Madano a better two-way player and Bowman wanted to make Steve Eiserman a better two-way player and they're centermen, but they did. They became 200-feet player, um, you know, somewhat later on in their career. You can make a winger a 200-foot player as well. And Marty St. Louis had that challenge with Cole Caulfield. And I see the difference. I really do. He, oh. he is, his play away from the puck is, is better. There's definitely some truth in what Philip was saying, but Philip doesn't have the benefit of being at all the practices and speaking to them about, you know, behind the scenes about what they're engaged in as a process. And I was bringing up Caulfield and him focused on that, bringing up Slavkovsky and the way he he's so committed to his own development. Suzuki, who people are talking about in the same conversation as other players that might be in that conversation for the Selkie. I'm not 
going to give my vote to him. If the voting ended today, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go to Nick Suzuki for the Selkie. But the improvement in his defensive game is very notable. Um, but the main thing I take from all this is you have a coach who empowers players and a coach who has a messaging to his players. Do you want to just be a scorer at this level or do you want to win? Like, and he could just say that or he can coax them along into making themselves commit that much more to what they know to make it. You, you could tell someone and say, believe this, or you can show them why it's worth believing in. Like, Everybody looks at Marty St. Louis and says, okay, he's a great coach for development. Will he be a great coach when it's time to, when there's expectations and it's time to win? People have a very misguided concept of what makes for the best coach in the world. It's not some system that nobody has ever seen before in the NHL. There is no reinventing the systems. The difference between systems from team to team is extremely marginal. The best coaches in the world convince their players to buy into the program they're selling. Those are the best coaches in the world. It doesn't matter what system you're playing. If the players are bought into playing it and everybody's bought into playing it, they will execute it and they will win more games than they lose. Marty St. Louis' ability to get these players to buy into taking hold of their own development. And of course, it goes with the player's character as well. It's not it's not working with every single player. It's a work in progress for, for some of them more than it is for others. Some of that is naturally within the players. Some of that... Yeah is influenced by the coach. The best coaches empower players and they convince them that it's their idea to 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 take hold of this whole thing. And and those are Jim Montgomery in Boston. You think yeah. he's doing such a great job because of the system that he's run. He's doing one one of the biggest uh one of the biggest reasons Jim Montgomery is one of the best coaches in the league is I love him. He, is he recognizes how strong his room in his room is and allows his room to do what it's doing. He gets out of the way. Yeah. He doesn't overcoach anything. John Cooper, very much in the same vein, knows what his room is capable of. And, you know, yes, he's a he's a genius of a coach, a bench manager, whatever it is. But there's there's a there's a you could take it to any other sport. Tony, you follow soccer yes. intensely. You know what I'm yeah. talking about. Like this is yeah, yeah. This is what it is. Montgomery makes his, uh, he, he makes his players accountable and he makes them lead. And he just, and you know what? And he steps aside and Colorado did it a couple of years ago with McKinnon and they did it with, uh, with Rantanen. Um, Landon Scott was a very good two-way player. They needed to, the other guys to buy in and they did. You, you uh, also, you have challenge. to, you have to preach a system that fits what you have too. That's important. And yes. Ednar did that with Colorado. Uh, there have been some other yeah. coaches who have kind of, coach teams where they didn't have the personnel to to pull off and execute the system that they're demanding and that's why buy-in is difficult to get so there is technical elements that make for a good coach but well it's pretty different from football you know like it's hockey is a team sport and like the team ultimately has to decide what it's going to do the reason why the Leafs have been eliminated as early as they have been over the last several years is that they have not been able um to get Matthews to become um, or buy into what you've just been talking about. Now, there, well, not just him. There's been progression. Not just him. Not Marner, Nylander. Because I others. actually think Matthews was one of their better players in the playoffs over the last couple of years of playoff failings regardless. Yeah. But yeah. convincing guys to 
really commit to their own development and not just rely on their strengths. Like it would have been very easy for Cole Caulfield who shattered scoring records on his way to the NHL came up and inevitably found his way to scoring a lot in the NHL as well to just say, "Mm, let me just do my thing. Let me continue to develop my scoring ability because at the end of the day, people are going to expect that I hit 50. That would be easier. Yeah. But Cole is convinced Mm -hmm. himself that, does he need to be a 50 goal scorer or would he rather be a guy who has 40 goals, 40 assists and finish finishes plus at the end of the year? Like the fact that it's not Marty just like, hey, you got to do this. It's Cole who wants to do that. And that that is the biggest win here. That is development. That is the biggest win for the Canadians fans to actually wrap their hands around here because – when Kent Hughes says he wants to build a team that doesn't just make the playoffs year after year, he wants to build a mm-hmm. team that can become a contender year after year. Where do you think the roots of that is? Yes, it's in acquiring elite talent. Yes, but it's mm-hmm. it's in nurturing talent to do the things that win. The most talented player in the world before Connor McDavid was Sidney Crosby. He's also the hardest working player in the world. Like those two probably still is. find that. That, and and if you had to win one game still in today's game and you spoke to every hockey executive and if I pulled 32 GMs uh, and anybody who's really in professional hockey who they take for one game to win the Stanley Cup, it's not a dig at McDavid just because he hasn't done it yet, but most of them would say Sidney Crosby. Yeah, and McKinnon would probably be second. Yeah. So And, if, just, and if Bergeron would still be in the league, he'd probably be second. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he might have been first, honestly. Like, it's just so if you can convince these players when they're 20 to 24 years old, like, this is what it mm-hmm. is. And, like, let's bring it back to Kirby Doc. That's where we started this discussion. Yeah. Okay. Kirby Doc's reputation before he came here took a pretty significant hit. He's traded as the third overall pick who hadn't produced the level people expected in Chicago. There was rumors about him and his, you know, having different agents and being a prima donna and he might not buy in and be careful what you wish for. And, oh, you like everyone's applauding Ken Hughes. Kirby Doc, up until January, was 22 years old. And when was asked by the coaching staff, hey, come join us in these meetings after showing up yeah. to the rink every day while he was hurt, could have gone home. Could have gone to rehab with his own people. He's the one who says, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm going to get up 22 years old at 7, 7.30 in the morning. I'm come to these meetings and stick around at the rink and be around the guys. and do." He's undoing a lot of that narrative, right? And it tells me, like, the Canadians have done a better – it tells me, one, being traded is a humbling experience and gaining years is maturity – but it also tells me that the Canadians have found a way to connect with Kirby in a way that maybe the Chicago Blackhawks didn't. And like this is going to be – this is an example. Everything with Slaff is an example. Cole, Nick. Yes. Whoever you want to pick. Arbor, who's going through the same thing right now. Gooley, who's going through it as well. All these young players. This is the roots of if this rebuild is actually going to work. The, the- They've given him, they have a different approach with Doc, obviously. Marty St. Louis got his fingerprints all over it. And as, you know, I would imagine probably ran this by Kent Hughes and, and Jeff Gordon as well. Uh, they've given him a sense of importance. They, they've, you know, they've, 
They're, they're, they're telling him you're an important player on our team and you're an important player in our future. And that, that's why, look, over the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of debate, especially on this podcast about Trevor Zegers. Okay. <laughs> and I'm, I'm one who I always say, I like offensive players. I like exciting players. Uh, I like players with skill. It doesn't mean that every player is going to work out. I love drawing skill in Tampa. Um, and obviously, it was not a positive experience for Joy in Montreal. And because of that, a lot of people think that Zegris would be a negative experience because they're calling Zegris Joy 2.0, right? Every player is different. Uh, you know, you, you have that one side that, that says that Trevor Zegris is Jonathan Drouin and Pierre-Luc Dubois all over again. And then you have another side like Craig Button who says, yeah, everything I've, I'm hearing about Zegris, about those who are not big fans... I heard about Phil Kessel and I heard about Jack Eichel and they turned out to be pretty good NHLers and, and they, and they ended up being on winning teams. Um, this is why I say, would I give up the farm for Zegras? The farm? No. Would I be interested? Yes. Would I be willing to give up on a couple of draft picks? Even if they're high ones, the way they did with doc and the way they did with new hook. Yes. And for all of you who say, yeah, but, you know, this, Zegers this and Zegers that, and, and there's there's red flags here and there, maybe. But I have a lot of confidence in the people here that the player is young enough that they can change him. And sometimes you can't change a player. But when you're that young and you have that skill set, I, I think you can. And look what you just saying, the narrative about Doc. What we heard coming out of Chicago, right? All the stuff we heard. Do you hear that anymore? Same stuff. No? Okay, I'm going to be unequivocal about this. If Trevor Zegers is available, and I believe he will be, and I don't, it's not expected, not between now and March 8th or whatever it is, but if he ends up available, and I believe he will be, the Canadians should absolutely go for him. And for exactly what you're saying. And like I said, this stuff with Doc, the way they handled that, is it just a small window, but a very relevant one into the way they think and the way they operate? You said something about Zegris, and I, I don't want to pick at it, but I just want to say Go they, don't have to, they, don't, they don't have to change him. You don't have to change him. You just have to make it his idea to evolve. You have to. Well, he's labeled correct. He's labeled as a as a as a bad defensive player. But you have who to doesn't have a lot him. of care level when he doesn't have the puck. You have to empower him. Whether he stays in Anaheim or goes anywhere else, empower him. Make him feel that it's his idea to get better, because that's what they've done with all these players. That's Marty St. Louis' magic touch. That's Marty St. Louis' humility that you brought up before. Marty St. Louis is not going to these guys and saying, "I have all the answers." He's saying, I'm going to help you find them. We're going to help. We're, we're going to do this together. And you're going to be a big part of it. And I'm just asking that you trust me. And I'm going to trust you too. It's going to be collaborative. It's yeah. not going to be me telling you what to do. We're going to get to the answers together, watching video, watching the opponents, watching your teammates. There's another factor that's going on here. Um, and somebody mm -hmm. from the organization pointed this out to me, which I thought was kind of great. You see Slavkovsky getting all the buzz right now. What do you think Caulfield's thinking? Right? Like Jordan Harris a few weeks ago, when I asked him about the competition on defense, 
And he said, I had a high school coach who said to me, a rising tide lifts all boats. This internal competition doesn't just come down to where your spot is in the lineup. Yeah. Cole Caulfield is a star player in Montreal and treated like a star player in Montreal and wants to very much own that title. And big the time. Buzz, the buzz that Slavkovsky is taking on his line will only elevate Cole to, to another level. It will only make him feel if like it was me. I want I want the shine too. And that's You're right. If it was yeah. You want that happening. So I think if a guy like Zegris ends up in Montreal, and we know Zegris likes the spotlight, that much, you know, there's a lot of things being said. There's things we know, there's things we think we know. One of the things we know is Zegris does like the spotlight. He does crave the attention. He would thrive probably in a market like this with that attention on him if he's handled the right way, if he's empowered to make his own path in terms of becoming a more evolved player, which is a normal process to go through between 19 and 24 years old. Uh, it's just, I, I, for people out there who are like, you don't want that guy in that, like, you you don't know. You, you really, there's things you think you know, but you really don't know. And yeah, I don't know everything either. I'm not sitting here telling you I know everything, but I know one thing. The player has more talent than his pinky than pretty much anybody on the Montreal Canadiens. And there's a few really talented players in Montreal right now that have emerged, and we're seeing that. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. His so you don't think you don't think his skill set is overblown? Not at all. Not even a little. His his skill set is huge. His skill set at the moment you. in my own per, in my own perception, and this is just my opinion, it's not necessarily a fact. His skill set is much more in, much more tuned to individual than it is play driving and making those around him better. His potential, though, is to be a player that makes everybody around him better. He absolutely has that potential, and he has done that at other levels. So I just, like you said, environment is is critical, and the Canadians have one that they believe in enough that if managed. Mint believes in Trevor Zegris's talent and thinks it's worth acquiring. I don't think it would be a red flag for them looking at him being like, mm, I don't know. Like, if we drop him into this environment, will it change him at all? The biggest red flag around Zegris is not his play or his attitude or his perce- the perception of him or this. The biggest red flag is that his contract will expire with him as an RFA with Arbrights and one year away from unrestricted free agency. And if he decides he's not with the program, and you've given up a lot to get him, and he suddenly says, I want to go somewhere else, that's 
that is the biggest concern for any team that would be looking at him. But I yeah. think Montreal would look at him and say, mm, we could we could do what we need to do with this player and convince him this is the place to be. And I, I think the internal competition is a factor in that. I think Marty St. Louis is a factor. I think Adam Nicholas is a factor. I think management's a factor. I They're think Cole Caulfield's right a way. factor. Yeah, Cole He's Caulfield is a huge, contract. He's, huge factor. He's one of his best buddies. going to want to – and you know what? When things are going well in Montreal – which the way they're going, you'd have to think that they're going to get there in, in, in a couple of years from now. They're going to end up being a playoff team. They're going to go from that to being a contender, and they're going to go from that to being a serious contender. And if you can make him see that, then he's going to resign. Uh, now, you you could influence him, and you can, you can empower him, like I said. You, can all, you, you also got to let him play, you know? I don't think Anaheim wants to just let him play. I think that's a big part of the reason, in my own view, that he will be available. Uh, let him play and let him believe he is having a massive influence on the direction you take with him. That, that to me, is, is a winning ticket to turning a guy who has a lot of talent into a guy who can help you win. And I, I think Zegers has that within him. Like, I, I really do. Yeah. Look, I think I, there's many I, players I, I, that have come before him that, that – were mischaracterized or misjudged. Kirby's a perfect example. Jack Eichel yeah. is Greg brought up. Phil Kessel, guys who are good at their particular characters. They're different. You may not love everything about them, but to suggest that they're unmoldable at the ages that they're at is like it's 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 ignoring history. Like Cole Caulfield was known as a pretty individual player before joining the Montreal Canadiens. You know, there's some that would have told you that uh, Caulfield, yeah, a good player. He cares about scoring his goals and, you know, he's more than that. We've seen that. Like, he's, people could say, like, once again. He's become more than that. Like, it, yeah, it, it's, and, it's, it's not just Marty. Like, it's his doing. Like, he's he's committed to it. And look, I, I think the Canadians are, I mean, they got 23 picks over the next couple of years. I think they come to the point where, uh, you know, you, they can give up some picks uh, and, and still be on their way here because they got more than a few. And I, I think a lot of people are worried that Zegers might end up being a bad influence on Caulfield. Zeke, he might. He might. It might be bad for him. Yeah, maybe. They, they, the know, guys, we, they spend all summer to together. They spend all summer together. I don't think it's yeah. going to be an issue. Yeah, a lot of people said that the Montreal spotlight would be bad for Cole as well and that this would be bad and that would be bad. It seems like he's doing okay. Seems like Uri's doing okay. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, there were others like Galchenyuk who did not do okay, but... Times have changed. Everyone is different. Um, you talked about the development team. I think Adam Nicholas is fantastic. I think he's the best at what he does. I like the fact that he thinks he's the best at what he does. I like people like that. Some mistake it for arrogance. I call it confidence. I like in his specific um, role. First of all, he's he's the biggest cheerleader on the Canadians. He's his energy is infectious for everybody. They love him. He's he's and he can take a, a joke as much as anybody. But the thing that I like about Adam is how geared his skills development side is towards simulating the game. It's not. I mean, we've seen some stuff in other markets where those guys were way ahead of the Canadians because they had skills coaches. And they're throwing like a guy shooting tires at defensemen so that he can move out of the way and take a shot. That like it's you got to simulate what's actually what what a player might see in an actual game. And everything Adam does is geared towards. He's realistic. He's really 
he's realistic, but he's so focused on on this part of it more than the actual like yeah how much how much better are you going to improve somebody's skating stride if they've been skating a certain way for 23 years but but this the way they think about the game and the things that the actions that they can take repetitively within practice space and within uh games it's that that the manipulation of that even if you could tweak it by five percent allows somebody who's limited in skill to get that much more out of their game right like and look yeah. The Habs are not perfect on this front. They're not developing everybody at the same rate. There are some players you'd like to see take a monster leap that aren't really even taking that many steps forward. I don't, I'm not picking on Jesse Yelonen. The Canadians aren't picking on Jesse Yelonen either. But you'd like to see the work they're doing with him translate to what's happening away from the puck for, for him. Like With the puck, as Marty said, super skilled player. The, the touches are really good. They're high quality. So much so that it should suggest he could play higher up in the lineup. When Marty says the details, that's the part that needs the work. And he is doing the work with the player. Like people think he, he doesn't like the player or something. Like Marty, one thing that Marty has proven is that his patience level is a little bit less for repetitive mistakes. And so it comes down to the player himself. Sometimes they're limited in their ability to learn fast and apply. It doesn't mean they won't get there. It just takes a bit more time. But also, yeah. maybe they need to take a bit of a different approach. Maybe Yelonen is, is a better learner in practice than he is in theory, and they've been focused too much on theory or vice versa. I don't know. They're not perfect. They're working on their development model, and it's not being perfect for everybody all those good examples that i mentioned you could find a couple where you're like hmm i don't know like is it really working with this guy should be better yeah and i think alone will be an nhl player whether or not it fits with exactly who this team is down the line we'll see it's it depends on how fast he can progress and what he can apply it's it's not happening right now and that's why you're seeing him consistently yeah. scratched from the lineup Said this before, Sid, again, feel bad for Trevor Timmons that he was not surrounded by a development team like this. Not to say the Canadians didn't do development before. They tried, <clears throat> but it wasn't as important to them as it is to this management team. Um, and they it wasn't as thorough as it is to this management team. It, it wasn't as... Uh, some of, and some of that was circumstantial, right? Like some of that was the circumstances of them competing for a playoff spot every year and so therefore it would be less of a priority versus yes, a team that started starting a rebuild but a lot of it is not putting the proper resources into it and not empowering players it's it's you, it, we're no longer in that world where you just turn to a player and say this is what you got to do a b c and d it's that's part of it but like you have to kind of get them to realize it for themselves so that they really buy into it and apply it and do it. Like you can't just be like, Hey, Tony, like you're, you're, you're pretty good at, at walking, but we need you to run with your foot like angled this way and just go ahead. Like, it's, yeah. you're not going to get you said something result. before. Like, I keep thinking about what you said before. Get them to come up with the answers themselves, right? Like get them. Yeah. To do it. Go ahead. Internal sorry. Competition. You talked about Caulfield. Caulfield wants to be the best player on the Canadians. No right? question. You can tell. You can tell the way he walks. You can tell the way he talks. You can tell the way he skates. You can tell the way he shoots. And you can tell with, you know, the way he celebrates. That's him. And it's always been him. And you know what? 
I love that. I really listen to Slavkovsky lately in interviews. I mean, unless you're an idiot and you haven't figured it out yet, he wants to be the top dog. He's saying it. This is the way he's wired. It's great. Suzuki is less obvious about it, but you can tell the way he pays so much attention to all the details that he wants to be the best, mo most complete player that he can be. If you get a Suzuki, by the way, just on Suzuki, very quickly on Suzuki, and this has been yeah. obvious since since he landed in Montreal, he comes yeah. off as the most humble Canadiana, exactly what you would want out of a Canadian hockey player, the way he speaks, the way he conducts himself, and this and that. But what has always been clear about him is he knows how good he is and how good he can be. Like, always. Yeah. And that, yeah. when you talk about all three of those players, there's a quality that exists within all. And by the way, add Kirby Doc. Because I, I'm telling you right now, if that guy was healthy this year, he 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 to to my eyes, watching him in training camp, he looked like the best player on the team, and he he is probably watching these games and saying to himself, "When I come back next year, it's going to be me." And like, yeah. I, I think this is so huge for them. I'm sorry, yeah. sorry to cut you off, but you're you're right. No, no, and, and I love you're where right. we're going with this. Because you are right. You are right with all this. Yeah, and and you know, like Subban wanted to be the best player on the team, and the most popular, and the favorite, and it bothered some of the other players that um, he was. Uh, even though today they'll tell you that it didn't, but you know as well as I do, it did, and you know who I'm talking about. And there were others that wanted to be the best player on the team, but unfortunately that team got a little bit fractured. This one here is very, very close. It has a very good leadership. It's got a real good group of guys. And I don't know if you saw um, the mini TV uh, series that I did for Hellman's uh, Mayonnaise. I did see segments, uh, but yeah. The first episode was with Nick Suzuki. And so Nick and I spent quite some time together all right recording that um several hours actually uh and so i got to know him a little bit okay and uh we didn't talk much about hockey uh he likes football and i talked to him a lot about football and i talked to him a lot about life but i know a confident individual when i speak to one and when i hang out with one yeah he's got it this this guy is oozing confidence in the most humble way that yeah, he's not cocky. You can ever imagine. No, he's not. Like he is. He's very humble. Um, he's more on the quiet type, more on the reserve type. Um, talks a little bit more as he starts to get comfortable with you, but very, very posture up, very confident. You know, he's well prepared. He's very smart. He knows he's, what he has to do, also, and he's also really in tune with what gets said all all around. Not just about him, but but about everybody. He's really in tune with it. And I'm not talking. About, I'm not saying he's sitting there scouring all the clips and reading all the comments on the internet and all the fans and what they have. But he knows, and whether it's being brought to him or he's actually seeing it himself, it doesn't seem to bristle him one way or the other. He knows what he believes. He's confident in himself. It, he, none of it rattles him or bothers him or anything like that. I was speaking to one Canadian player who who talked about like missing some of this, like really not paying attention to it because he just noticed like 
how mean it could be. Like it, it really gets pretty like mean out there. And uh, but Suzuki doesn't care about any of that, and he knows what he believes about himself and about his teammates and about different things. And it's it's interesting how in tune he is with it. I would have thought he'd ignore it completely, but he doesn't. Eric, he um, he doesn't ignore it at all. He is very aware. It doesn't bother him at all. I think he also understands it's not personal at all. If ever he hears anything about him or one of his teammates, at least, I mean, um, you know, no one ever tries to make it personal. I don't well, think. Well, I think when it is, um, I think when it is, like, I think when it is, it, it does, it, it does, uh, he does want to kind of dismiss it through us. When yeah, he of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, that, yeah, when and, when, and, when, but, when we came up to him earlier this year and talked about you know I don't know if you saw Ken Hughes' press conference, but it was brought up that like the Canadians haven't had a point per game player in a lot. Like he saw, he knew, and he said, you know, I think we have, and, and like the idea that they don't have any elite talent up front. He he took exception to that, and he yeah, and, and he took exception to it by example. Uh, by the way, he, and he's right because he's a couple of points off pace from being a point per game player the, at the end of this season. Right. The only the only player hotter in the NHL right now is Connor McDavid, and that's over the last since January twenty fifth. So that's uh, yeah. that's a pretty think, cool company think, to have. And I don't know if he took it personally, but he cares, and he wanted to dismiss yes. it. But he also he also knows we have a job to do. So, like, I think he takes. Well, it's know, not just us. Can, it, it's not just us. Yeah. He's talking about the fan it's base. It's what the fans have to say. Too. Yeah, you know, you're right, but. It, it doesn't make him lose any sleep. Eric, I'm going to tell you something, all right? One former Montreal Canadian, all right? When I was working radio and I was working the post-game show, would listen to the post-game show on his way home after the game and pull over if he would hear a comment from either myself or my co-host or a caller that he didn't agree with would pull over to defend his opinions and it would be texting and I would be texting back and forth while I'm hosting the post-game show. Now, that stuff, if what people think of you or what they think of your play, if it bothers you that much, you just you're going to burn. You're just going to burn. You just can't. And um, look, it's not fun when people say stuff that you don't agree with. I'm sure you hear some stuff about you every now and then that you probably take exception to. And I hear it all the time and I read it all the time and whatever. Unfortunately, I'm not, you know, unanimous. There's some that are, you know, presidents of the fan club and there's some that, you know, wish I never existed. And it's, it's not fun when people don't like you or they don't like your work. It's not. But you just kind of have to accept that. See, there know, is a difference. There, you can't be everyone's cup of tea. I agree. I agree with you. And uh, you know what? I got to tell you, it's 16 years I've been in this business and I've developed very thick skin for criticism. And a lot of it's fair. And some of it is unfair. Nobody loves being criticized but we can all accept it especially in the positions that we're in that it comes with territory what people don't like is being misunderstood and right my job which differentiates my job from you know the fans who watch and this and that is 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 
I'm trying to find out why. I could very easily sit in my job and say, well, this guy's not good and he's not playing well. And the, but that's just easy surface analysis that doesn't – I want to know why. When a player's struggling, I want to speak to his teammates, find out, is he dealing with something personal? That's the first question. Is there something that we don't know that when it's going for a long period of time that something's wrong that and, – and people are jumping to the conclusion that his give-a-shit level is lower than it should be – is something personally wrong because you don't know what's going on in people's lives. And it's not necessarily for me to report, but it definitely contextualizes how I go about my work. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you so my, my main job as a reporter is understanding. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage... All the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Why things are happening and trying to explain it and try to add context that people would naturally be missing if they're not there and don't have the opportunity to speak to certain people and get to the bottom of it. I'll, I'm going to tell you a brief story. I'll make it as short as I possibly can, but it's an interesting story in terms of how I try to do my job. When Ben Chirac came to the Montreal Canadiens, the main thing that everybody said is he's the next Carl Alsner. He signed a three or four year deal. I can't remember which one it was. Three year deal, 10.5. Three years, ten point five. Three years, ten point five million dollars, and people were saying he's slow. He's big. he looked. They looked at his. They essentially looked at his six foot three, two hundred and twenty five pound frame and said, "Oh no, another big slow defenseman on the left side who doesn't put up big offensive numbers, and he's a defensive defenseman." He came to Montreal, and the Canadians have rookie camp. And during rookie camp, all the main guys kind of come back to Montreal, and they they have informal skates that aren't run by the team, and they're going on on a skate on the rink next to you know there's two rinks at brossard they're on one yeah rookies yep. are on the other and they're yep. running their own show and maybe sometimes a guy like who's in Polly byron's role right now shows up and runs a few drills or whatever it is but it's not team mm-hmm. yeah so i show up i showed up to rookie camp and i had watched ben Sherrod in winnipeg plenty and he he was pretty good there uh but when i watched ben Sherrod for the first time skate in montreal one of those informal skates I watched him and said, oh, my God, these people are so wrong about what they are saying about him right now. Like they, like his skating might be the best asset of his ability. Is he the best puck mover? Yeah. Not necessarily. But to come after his skating is crazy. It's not just a guy who skates well for his size. It is one of the strengths of his game. So Ben Chirac goes into training camp and has a very yeah. challenging kind of training camp. And he plays his first couple games of the season and he sucks. I mean, he's playing like shit. And I'll never forget this. I was watching the games and I saw where he was struggling the most, which was making his first pass. 
And I'm saying to myself, okay, I think I know what the problem is and I'm going to go speak to Ben about it. So I walk into the room and informally I look at Ben and I say, wow, I hope you're not reading Twitter these days. He goes, holy shit, people are all over me. He's like, I'm like really getting fried here. I'm like, okay, let me By ask the you. Way, great line, great line to break the ice there. Great line yeah. to break the ice. So, so, yeah. so I, I, I go, okay, let me, let me ask you a couple questions. So this is, I could have easily written Ben Sherrod is playing like shit and the Canadians should be concerned about what, his play is revealing about what his future might be here. And he's side to this three-year deal and it's going to end up looking bad, but I want to know why. And I'm thinking about why, and I'm making my own evaluation. So I start the questioning and I say, Ben, where was your first look in Winnipeg when you get the puck? And he said, well, my first look is automatically to the wall. And because we had massive wingers in Winnipeg and that was our system. The system is get the puck to the wall. Wall breaks it through the middle to the center who's coming up. And you know that the guy on the wall is going to win his battle because he's bigger and that's it. Like you, know, you go back to the Winnipeg system. They had huge yeah. practice, right? I said, the system here, had, what's, where's your first look supposed to be? This was under Claude Julien. He said, the middle. Why? Because we have fast centers and our wingers are a little bit smaller. Okay. How long will it take you to make that adjustment? He said, it's going to take another four or five games. Like it's muscle memory. I have six years. My first look before I even get puck is the wall. All makes sense so far. So I said, okay, is this at the root of why you're struggling right now? He said, 100%. He said, also, people don't know this about me because nobody's asked. I'm typically a slow starter. He said, it takes me a few games into a season before I – how many more games is it going to take you, Ben, until you're like muscle memory has changed and you know your, your engine is going the way you expect it to? He said, probably two, three, four games, like somewhere in there. I wrote an article – that day how ben Sherrod is going to play fast explaining this nuance okay yeah uh, yeah and then ben Sherrod went on to have a career season like and people said whoa like oh there's something here you know sometimes ben Sherrod was great for the canadians he was great sometimes we think we know the answers sometimes we think we know everything that's going on or we can we can just trust our eyes and make the evaluation my job is to find out why how how does it change what and when i when i do it that way and it's you know it's it's rare where you have a feeling coming out of writing an article in my position or whatever it is where you feel like yeah. oh i really nailed this one like i knew like but that is the most satisfactory feeling of feeling like mm, there was a problem i tried to dig to understand why there's a problem i tried to explain why there's a problem and put out a thesis this is how he intends to play fast and well, sure you're going enough. about it a very you've gone about it a very smart way, and I'm gonna was, I'm gonna tell you something that you also know is that if you would come out and you would just write that Ben Sherrod is playing like crap, well, if Ben Sherrod takes it personally, well, then you're not gonna have a very good or long relationship know, but, with Ben Sherrod, and after that, you're in the business of making relationships too. But and, and, yes, and and but it's not you know yeah. the goal wasn't to make a relationship with Ben Sherrod, but after that, one thing was yeah. clear between me and Ben Sherrod. Ben Sherrod understood that I was willing to figure out and really get to the truth about him. And when you do that for a player, when, when they feel that they can trust your own evaluation, the times where you come out in criticism, you're not misunderstanding them. Being misunderstood, nobody likes to be misunderstood. Everybody wants to clear a perception of themselves and how they, you know, if, if it's so misguided that it's off the mark and they're being misunderstood, they want to clear that up. And uh -huh. I think, 
you know, there's certain level of protection the players have to have for themselves in terms of allowing the outside world to influence the way they think about things. And some guys should just stay the hell away from it, as far away from it as they possibly can. Like Yuri Slavkovsky says, you know, I know which social media apps that I can engage. He, he's on Instagram. He stays away from Twitter. He knows that nothing good will come from going on Twitter and reading what people have to say. And that's fine for him. He doesn't want to be misunderstood, and he doesn't want to have to tell everybody why he's misunderstood. He just wants to Yeah, play. yeah. Some guys we uh, want a little bit more, you know, and sometimes yeah. they want to be able to say, hey, this isn't me, and you guys have me wrong, and this is, I'm going to show you why. And sometimes, we with Doc. They have to re- sometimes they have to rely on us to explain. Yeah. That's kind of the yeah. link here. We started with Doc. Let's end with Doc. When he was on the ice last week, we saw images for the first time. I think it was Alexandre Gascon who put them up on the app formerly known as Twitter. I still call it Twitter. Um, I was shocked that he was on the ice less than four months after having season-ending ACL surgery. Um, we've heard uh, I've heard Renault chime in. Uh, on BPM Sports and Tivia Sports over the last week, also saying that the doc who performed the surgeon who performed the, the surgery on, uh, on on doc, this is part of his uh, rehab. Where okay, boom, four months in, you can make it on the ice, but no player that gets operated for ACL under him um, comes back competitively less than eight months in, type of thing. So there's some. But were you, having said all that, were you at all surprised that we saw him on the ice less than four months after the surgery? Uh, yes and no. Mostly because I didn't know what the protocol would be for him, you know, to, to get back on the ice. But definitely an encouraging sign that he's able to, and especially after hearing Kirby say that it's encouraging that he's there three and a half months later. You know, he's certainly certainly happy to say it. basically exactly four months actually uh, from the injury. Yeah. It's exactly four months. months. Yeah. So. Okay. Good. Good for Kirby. Uh, unless he was skating a bit sooner than we even noticed, which is possible. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. it's been a couple of weeks. To me, uh, people who are kind of wrapped up in will he will he maybe get into a game this year? And and he didn't dismiss the possibility. Although I think we all know it's very unlikely and probably not going to happen. That to me it doesn't really matter. The important it wouldn't make sense for him to come back anyway. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't even games. The only risking another injury. And he already said that he doesn't think it's the best idea to go to the world championships if he's asked, which is fine. It's good. His commitment is to the Canadians. And you wouldn't want him coming off major surgery to play his first games internationally and risk another one. The most important thing is he's not doing rehab this summer. He gets his full training in. And he made it very clear that he's very confident that'll be the case, that he's not going to have to be rehabbing anymore by then. He'll be in his full training for the summer. That's great news for him. That's great news for the Canadians. That's everything you want to hear because there's a big difference between spending a portion of your summer training rehabbing an injury than there is getting the full load in over what will be a longer offseason because the Canadians are not going to make the playoffs. That's that's great news for a player who missed, like we said off the top, Tony, there is no downplaying what Kirby missed this year, okay? Not playing those 80 games or however many it would have been had he suffered another minor injury or whatever it is. Those are key repetitions in his development that he missed and there's no getting them back. They made the best of the situation and what they've done. And there's a lot of positive in that. The other major positive and the major thing for me is that he can have his entire summer to 
not only physically get better, but strengthen. And that's that's going to yeah. be huge for him. Eric, busy week for the Canadians, of course, like every week is in the National Hockey League, um, it seems to be. Uh, they host Buffalo on Wednesday. They're in Pittsburgh on Thursday. They're in Jersey on Saturday afternoon. We'll talk to you again one week from today, next week on Monday. Thanks so much. Great story and great work as usual. We'll talk to you soon, Eric. It was fun talking, Tony. All right. If you liked it, like it, share it with your friends, of course. Comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. Uh, tell your friends to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can put the notifications on. And the second that we go live, weeknights at 10 p.m., boom, they get a notification. Marinero's on live, the sick podcast, and they can watch and listen to all their Hapstock, of course. Uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple. It's our way of feeling the love. Special thanks to our partners and our sponsors. Energy Transportation Group is one. La Bitta TB is another. Playground is another. And another is Accent Insurance Solutions. To you, my sick army, and you, my sick community, I love you. Thanks again. Another night is in the books right here on the Sick Podcast for Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana, Master Control, their Cavallaro. And once again, I'm Marinaro. Me. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. 